Good morning. I want to welcome everybody who's here today. It is great to see some faces that we haven't seen for a while. It's great to see faces that we haven't seen before. Welcome. We welcome everybody who is here online. We hope we're welcoming you to what's going to follow today as well, because it will give us a chance to visit with each other. I, I usually get to get around and say hi to everybody in person. There's just no way I can do that today. That's a great problem. And so, welcome. And also, uh, when the egg hunt takes off afterwards, could someone please make sure that Scott Cruden gets a basket <laughs> and does not get trampled in the rush? Today is actually the last message in a series called Jesus on Purpose. And for several weeks, we here at Central have been looking at the statements that Jesus made that just flat out tell why he came to earth. We've been looking at those intensely and how those things are supposed to fit into our lives. Today is no exception. Last week, we talked about how Jesus came for the purpose of dying. And today, we're reminded that Jesus didn't come just to die, but to live, to live again. The Lord is risen. See how that works? That's been going on in the church for centuries. I was reminded this past week of a statistic from a recent survey that was done nationwide, and it may surprise you to find out about this, to know that about two-thirds of adults in the United States believe that the resurrection of Jesus literally happened just like the Bible reports that it did. 66%, this isn't church people, this is everybody in the United States. 66%, two-thirds of adults say, yes, I agree to that statement. Biblical accounts of the physical resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate. Isn't that interesting? 66%. That's according to the State of Theology survey that was done just at the end of last year. Most likely, people who don't believe in the resurrection or people who are uh, very skeptical of that aren't you. They aren't the people who are sitting here today or the people who are watching us online. Most people that don't accept that, I accept, aren't going to be here right now. Maybe you are, and if that's you, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. I'm glad to be able to get to speak to you today. But what seems most relevant to me this morning is not as much those 34% of people who say that's not true or who aren't sure that it happened at all. It's those people who aren't here and who most likely aren't going to hear this message that I can't speak to this morning. But what concerns me is the number of people who say they do believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but in whose life that really doesn't make much of a difference. If it did make a difference, I can tell you this, the 34% of people who aren't sure but who don't accept it or don't accept it at all, those people would be a lot more likely to believe it, amen? If it made a difference in our lives that Jesus really is alive. Most people aren't wrestling with the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? That's the first point here this morning. Most people say they believe it. Watch, the Lord is risen. Oh yeah? So what? I often put that in my own notes. O-Y-S-W. Oh, yeah? So what? 
If something is true, then what do I do about it? Well, this Easter, more than ever, I'm thinking that what needs our attention isn't so much for us to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. Most people accept that already. Watch. The Lord is risen. See? But the challenge is, what difference does that make? Most people would have a harder time arguing about why that matters in life. So I want to say this this morning in a sentence, that living life in light of the resurrection of Jesus is much more than just saying that we believe it. So I want to go to a great chapter about the resurrection of Jesus. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, or if you have your device that you're going to open up a Bible on, go ahead and get those out and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you didn't have either of those with you this morning, look around in the pews, and you'll see in front of you there's a Bible there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's in the New Testament. Uh, that's on page 1078 in my Bible. I don't know about yours. But find 1 Corinthians 15 or have somebody next to you help you find that. And this morning, we are going to dig deep enough into this great chapter on the resurrection for my goal is to help everybody have a great Easter. And let me give some context first. Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Corinth while he is in Ephesus. And he is writing to a church that's floundering. We're going to be looking at chapter 15, right near the end of this letter that he wrote. Um, Starting next week, not tomorrow night, but the next Monday night, our Monday night Bible studies for ladies and for guys separately are both going to be looking at the, the book of 1 Corinthians, this letter that Paul wrote to a floundering church. Those followers of Jesus were struggling with a lot of issues because they were living right in the middle of a very immoral, very anti-Christian society. Sound familiar? That culture was very unchristian. So Paul gave these people in Corinth instructions on several very specific topics, and then as he gets to the end of this letter, he devotes what we call chapter 15 to the resurrection. There are a lot of great chapters in the Bible. There's the great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, the great chapter on the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8, the suffering servant, Isaiah chapter 53. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter on the Resurrection. Remember that this morning. If you remember nothing else, hey, I went and learned today that 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. I guarantee you that all across the world today, in churches all over the world this day, there are a lot of people who are taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great chapter on the resurrection. Paul takes some of this chapter to make a case to say, here's how you can know that Jesus is alive. But more so, he makes a case here for why that matters at all. Remember, he is writing to people who say that they are followers of Jesus here in chapter 15. And we're going to start reading in verse 13, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13, where Paul says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... 
your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. All right, back up the truck just for a second. That is quite a list there, isn't it? Quite a list of things to talk about in light of what would be true if it was true that Jesus wasn't raised. What could be more basic to following Jesus? What could be more basic? If Jesus was not raised, our message is a lie. Our faith is in vain. We are still in our sin, and we are all going to be sent by that sin to hell, and people who have died with that belief have died with that same unhappy destiny. That is why the resurrection of Jesus matters. Amen? Those things are not true because Jesus is alive. Skip down to verse 21. He says, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. More than one book has been written about the thousands of people who have lost their lives just because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says here that our hope of life beyond this one is based on the fact that Jesus Christ is risen. Think about that. I die? Not a problem. I've got a life assurance plan. Verse 29, otherwise, he says, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, my brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right. Do not go on sitting. For some have no knowledge of God, I say this to your shame. I want you to take a look at those words from Paul and understand that because Jesus is alive, we have the most compelling reason as followers of Jesus to put our comfort, even our lives, on the line because Jesus rose from death. There was an article on Voice of the Martyrs this past week, I ran into it. It says in July 2018, Chinese pastor, I'm going to butcher their names here, sorry. Pan Yangguang traveled to Chengdu for lunch with his friend, a fellow pastor, Wang Yi. And over lunch that day, Wang Yi asked Pan an important question. Are you prepared to be arrested? These are pastors in China, okay? Now, almost five years later, Pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year prison sentence in Jingtang Prison, Sichuan Province, China. Recognizing that the Chinese Communist Party was increasing pressure on churches and tightening its control over the lives of Chinese Christians, Pastor Pan gathered his congregation to discuss their future with more persecution on the horizon and concerns about their ability to raise and instruct their children in biblical truth, the congregation made a difficult and drastic decision. They would leave China. Wow. 
You know, there isn't much news coming out of China about Christians who aren't very committed. Maybe letting go of the why of Jesus' resurrection is the way that comfortable Christianity has creeped into our own culture. We have been called by a Lord who tells us if we're going to follow him, it is our job to take up our cross daily and follow him, denying ourselves. Remember those words of Jesus? Which is different than just taking up a cross necklace maybe every third week or so and following Jesus on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. If the resurrection of Jesus isn't real, If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, why endanger our comfort? Why endanger our lifestyle? Why care about those who have no knowledge of God? Somebody once asked, if you don't have in life anything worth dying for, do you have something worth living for? The next section of the letter is about the different kinds of bodies we're going to have one day. I woke up this morning thinking, won't that be nice? The resurrection of Jesus matters to me because it helps me to look forward to the day that I'm going to have an entirely different kind of body. I'm going to have a spiritual body, an imperishable, immortal body. Verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The way that Jesus was in a human body and then resurrected with a different kind of body, that is for you and me a preview of the kind of body that we're going to have in our own resurrection. Every time we think about how Jesus was raised, we could picture ourselves rising again. Paul told the Romans, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I want to live in heaven forever, don't you? But I've never been there, and neither have you. The resurrection of Jesus helps me to begin to understand and to think about something that you and I have never experienced, not yet. That is a different kind of body, a body that can never die. The last part of this chapter, by the way, this is all for people who understand and believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but it's a really great encouragement for anybody who's discouraged. Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Any of you who today are struggling with the thought of what you might lose, of what it might cost you to follow Jesus, needs to read and reread those words. Therefore, Paul says, because of everything he's just said about the resurrection of Jesus and why it matters, therefore, Because Jesus rose, because you will too, because not even death can raise a legitimate threat to the person who's going to put on immortality. Because nothing happens to this body that you're in right now, no matter what, what you do for the Lord won't be lost. 
The cost of following Jesus will be worth it to you personally. There is a great return on investment in this thing of following Jesus. And remember this. Whenever you invest in the Lord's kingdom, not only do you personally benefit from that, but it's not going to ever be lost. I wonder if the way that I prayed and tried to share my faith with one person, that one person that I've been thinking about and praying for, I wonder if that won't be lost. I wonder if that did any good. I wonder if the times that I showed up to help with kids' ministry ever got through to those kids. I wonder if sticking my neck out at work really made a difference there and helped move somebody closer to Jesus. I wonder if the meal that I took to a family that was going through some struggles really helped them at a time in a way they needed it. I wonder if the hours that I poured into leading a small group ever sunk in and did any good. I wonder if scheduling the event and setting it up and cleaning it up and putting it up and locking up. I wonder if that was worthwhile. I wonder if what I did on Go Sunday at Central Christian Church, <laughs> April the 30th, really did any good. I want to tell you this morning that the resurrection of Jesus answers all of those questions. And the answer is yes. Mary poured out an alabaster bottle, a very expensive perfume. She broke it open and poured it over Jesus. And those who watched her were critical of her because that was expensive perfume, worth nearly a year's wages. They chided her. And once it was broken open and poured out, there was no scooping it back into the bottle. I wonder, did Mary, as she did this, think to herself, boy, I hope this isn't a waste. Jesus didn't. He said, leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing. Anything that is broken and poured out for Jesus is not a waste. The resurrection matters because it means that everything that you ever deposited into the bank of heaven is going to be there one day. Now, this is all words for people who are followers of Christ, really. You've been hearing the resurrection story, the story about Jesus rising from the dead for years, and here you are today again Pour over 1 Corinthians 15 again and make a list for yourself, not just about the reasons why should I believe that the resurrection really happened, but why does it matter in life? Oh yeah, so what? And then I want to shift gears here. And I'd like to speak to anybody who's really not really moved by the relevance of the Easter story. What about the percentage of people, you know, the the other percentage on the pie chart who say, okay, I'll come sit by you at church on Easter Sunday. What about those people who are willing to say, yeah, I believe that Jesus actually died and then he rose from the dead and then they, they, they think about it and they come to the empty tomb and then they turn around and say, ho-hum, that's an interesting story, but it's really far removed from me. It happened a long time ago, like more than two weeks ago in a far, far away place in a culture that has no understanding about my culture at all. I can't read your mind, but if those are the words in your mind this morning or anywhere close to what you're thinking this morning, and then you're a person who's sitting there asking about the resurrection of Jesus, oh yeah, so what? Does it really matter to me? 
Will you listen to me for just a couple of minutes to give you some reasons why I think it really does? Here's the first one. Because it's the difference between a Jesus who is God and Jesus who is a phony. If Jesus had remained dead, that by itself would be a deal breaker. It would be for me. If I knew that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I can tell you this morning, I wouldn't be standing up here talking about this because I would know that Jesus was a phony. He predicted that he would die and rise again. And if that wasn't true, then he either was not God or at best he was an impotent God. Instead, his resurrection means Jesus was divine. Amen? It means he was God. It means he's powerful. Paul says in Romans 1:4, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by what? His resurrection from the dead. It declared him to be God. If Jesus the man was also God Almighty, then that impacts the way that I think about everything that he said and everything that he did. I can't look at his words. I can't read about how he lived and respond to him the same way I respond to anybody else. It matters because Jesus is real. Here's the second reason. It's because it gives you the chance to be sure that you're forgiven. How would you like that this morning? You can have in your life, we can have in our lives, heroes who die. And that doesn't mean anything more than an unfortunate event. I had this hero, and doing heroic acts, he died. But Jesus is more than just a hero who died. We can be sure that we're forgiven if we have a Savior who completed a plan to save us and then showed up again to confirm the plan is done. If Christ has not been raised, remember, you are still in your sins. We couldn't be sure that we're forgiven, could we? But if Jesus really did rise from the dead, it matters because it gives you the chance to be sure that you're forgiven. You've got that opportunity this morning. Here's another reason it matters. It's because it means that you can know someone who uniquely has power over death Go back to that time, Jesus still in the tomb, dead, and still is a Jesus who has been beaten by death. But Jesus raised from the tomb is a way of saying that death has been beaten. For as by a man came death, so by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. Adam's sin brought death to all of us, but Jesus' resurrection is proof that that's been undone. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Has anybody ever paid you the compliment of saying to you, oh, you're one in a million. You're one in a million. Scott Nelson, you're one in a million. Jill Kinney, you're one in a million. Randy Talley, you're one in a million. You know what that means? It means that there's over 8,000 people in the world who are just like you. (laughs) And if you're going to be unique, you're going to have to do better than that. Other people have died. 
Bible tells us that other people have died and been raised again. At least three of them in the Old Testament, several in the New Testament. So that's not unique, is it? But every one of those people died again. And the resurrection of Jesus is unique. Not only did he come back to life, but he came back never to die again. So we've got good reason to believe that Jesus truly is unique in his power over death. Here's a fourth reason it matters. It should matter to you. It's because it shows how Jesus is a pioneer of life. If Jesus didn't come back to life, then how would his death be different than anybody else's? In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, Paul says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Do you know what that means? It means that he is the first and the best of something, the best of many to come. I like how C.S. Lewis writes about this in his book, Miracles. He says, the New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. This is the beginning of the new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history has been opened. Oh, and you thought this was just Easter. (laughs) Somewhere in history is the first person to climb Mount Everest, Edmund Hillary. Somewhere in history is the first person to survive going going over Niagara Falls in a barrel, Annie Edson Taylor. Somewhere in history is the first person to circumnavigate the globe by air, Charles Smith. Somewhere is the first person to set foot on the moon, Neil Armstrong. And once all of these people did that first thing, what happened? It proved that it could be done. And others followed in their path, that same journey. Let me tell you, Jesus blazed the trail to life after death so that you and I can be sure that we can make that journey. He is the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. That's why the resurrection... Jesus should matter to you this morning. It shows how he is the pioneer of life. One more, because it helps me handle death. Actually, two more here this morning. It helps me handle death. If Jesus didn't rise, what comfort would there be for us as we face death? Not, Not if we face death, when we face death. If Jesus didn't rise, what comfort do I have? But instead, I've got someone who has made that journey, someone who reassures me it's going to be okay. Think about it this morning. Everybody who has ever died can, can tell you, I guess, could tell you what that experience is like. I wonder whether it was a sudden death or whether it was a, a death that came upon, upon them slowly, that slow, long journey. Every one of those people who has died knows what it's like to have the experience of death, and I wonder if they would tell me it's not as bad as what people think. 
Or I wonder if they would tell me, it was like falling asleep and then waking up in a different place. Or I wonder if they would tell me, you know what, I have, I have no recollection of it. I've got no memory of it at all. I wonder if they would tell me that they watched as they floated up and they watched their own body as their spirit departed. But you know what? Not one of them is going to tell me about it until I'm with them. And they can't share those insights with me right now, and so by the time they're able to share them with me, it's going to be too late. This Jesus who died, who rose again, has told us that he will be with us even to the end of the age. And he reminds us in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. The resurrection of Jesus should matter to you this morning because of that. Here's one more thing. It should matter because it means that Jesus really can offer us something that we need. I had a friend, Reggie. He did a lot of mission work. My friend Reggie is going to go to to Haiti some years back and, and says to me, hey, sure, when I go down to Haiti, is there anything I could do for you in Haiti? And I said, well, yeah, pick up a couple of those bottles of Haitian vanilla. You ever had that? It's really, really good. It's a whole lot better than the vanilla you can get here in the States, and it's really cheap. That connects with me. So a few weeks later, when Reggie is supposed to have gone and come back from Haiti, I ask him about vanilla he was going to get for me. Oops, sorry. He, he says, I'm, I was unable to go. There was another coup down in Haiti. I think they have them scheduled like every other month. There was another coup down there, and our trip was postponed. And, you know, under those circumstances, well, I'm glad that Reggie didn't go to Haiti. Bummer about the vanilla, but I'm glad that he didn't go. And I suppose that he could say, well, hey, I can go to Walmart and get you some vanilla or Gray's Foods, better. <laughs> Still, it won't be as good. It won't be quite as good, and it would kind of miss the point. So, a few months later, if I see that Reggie is walking around and he's sunburned, and I notice he's got an airport tag on his suitcase and he is holding out to me a couple bottles of Haitian vanilla, I am going to guess that Reggie went to Haiti, right? Haiti. Jesus was loving, compassionate, wise, gentle. Jesus taught and healed a lot of people while he was alive here on earth. His trip to earth, becoming a man and living among us, explained God to us in a way that nothing else could explain him. But the most important trip that Jesus made was when he made the journey to death and back. Listen, if Jesus didn't make that trip, if Jesus didn't go to death and back again, would he have anything really to offer to me that's beyond this life? Instead, when Jesus dies and returns, he's coming back and he's bringing souvenirs. They're in his hands. 
And I can tell that he's made the trip beyond this world, and I can tell that he has brought something from beyond this world. He has something that you and I really need. His resurrection from death matters because it gives me a hope beyond this world. James said to people who thought that they could have faith in God but not have the life that follows, you believe in God, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you? What does that mean in your life right now? Living life in light of the resurrection of Jesus is much more than saying we believe it. Okay, so I want to do some audience participation here to follow up today, all right? In the form of simple addition, all right? I want to just put a couple of simple problems up here. here. Here we go. Two plus two equals, very good, all right? This is not new math. Two plus three equals five. See, that was just a warm-up, just for some context here. Now you're thinking, okay, got the brain cells going. To show that this isn't new math or this isn't some kind of trick, it's just taking two things that are real and putting them together, okay? So I want to do some more real things. Here it is. Jesus really did rise from the dead, right? If that's real, add that to this. Jesus made a lot of other claims. So what does that equal in life? Well, it means that I should listen to those claims, doesn't it? It means that I can trust those things are true. Those two real things put together mean something very important. Let's try another one. Jesus really did rise from the dead, and Jesus made authoritative commands. Put those two things together. What does that mean? What does it equal in life? It means that I should listen to those commands and live them, doesn't it? Here's another one. You're going to see a pattern here. Jesus did rise from the dead. Plus, Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us. What does that equal? Man, that equals great news for our lives, doesn't it? I can believe that he's really doing that because he's able to do that. Here's another one. Jesus really did rise from the dead, plus I haven't experienced death yet. What does that mean? What does that equal? Well, I can approach death with an entirely different approach because that's true. Here's one. Jesus really did rise from the dead, plus Jesus is inviting me today to life with him that will never end. What does that equal? It equals you sitting there right now thinking to yourself, I hope, I'm really glad I've been invited to that, and maybe I'll accept. Here's the last one. Jesus really did rise from the dead, plus God's word spells out very clearly what I need to do to begin life in Jesus. What does that equal? Well, it equals this, I hope. It equals that if you have not yet accepted that invitation from Jesus, that you either know already or you're ready to hear what it means to become a follower of Jesus, if Jesus really did rise from the dead. See, if you aren't a believer this morning, there's some other questions that I would want to ask you. I would want to ask you this morning, (laughs) what other plan do you have? What else does God need to do to make his case to you? What other hope do you have that goes beyond this life? 
What is it that has been keeping you from making that the most important thing in your life? Those are the questions I'd want to ask you this morning. If Jesus really rose from the dead, 66% of the people in the United States would say, I believe that's true. I wonder how many of those people this morning would say, and I'm going to follow him. Jesus really did rise from the dead, and his word does really make it true or make it a, a, available to us what it means to become a follower of Jesus. He says that we need to say goodbye to old way of life. In fact, Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow him. That's called repentance. He said that we need to be willing to acknowledge him before people, to be able to say things like, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that he really is who he said he is. He said that we need to be baptized into him. There's something for us to do. It's really something that he does for us when he makes us a new person and raises us up to start a new life in him. What a great day it could be for you today if you would accept that invitation to follow Jesus Christ. Rory Lemons is going to be baptized today. He's probably listening right now. He joins us online every week. And uh, that's Dan's brother. And uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, he and his brother-in-law uh, have been sharing with him about the gospel. They have been talking to him, urging him about his relationship with Jesus. And today he says he wants to be baptized. He's going to be baptized today. That could be you. And this time of our time together, we want to extend that invitation to you. If you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, you're ready to act on those words, hey, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. If you're ready to do that, we are ready here this morning for you to make that decision. I'm going to ask you please to stand up with me, and we are going to have a word of prayer. We're going to sing together a song. During this song, if that's a decision that you have reached, you want to follow through with today, I'm going to ask you just to slip up here to the front. Uh, I will be here. Tom is right here. Uh, we've got others who will join you here. Scott over here who will join you here at the front and uh, talk to you about your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're just kind of here out of desperation. Life is hard. Uh, life has been dealing you some tough things, and you just need somebody to come alongside with you and, and pray with you and encourage you. This is the time to come forward and let us do that with you. We want to help you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we're uh, able to stand here this morning with an opportunity, uh, yet living in this world, for our lives to be given over to you. Father, there are many of us standing here today who would wholeheartedly acknowledge certainly the Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. I just pray now that looking at your word, we'll consider the difference that that should be making in our lives. Father, for some of us, it means a better focus on growing up in you. For some, it means for the very first time, uh, accepting that wonderful gift of life and, and following after it. Uh, Father, thank you for the decisions that are going to be made today. Thank you that we have a good opportunity to make them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.